All right, if you grab, grab your Bible and open it to the book of Matthew, chapter number seven. Matthew, chapter seven. That rain, I was thinking about this earlier. You know, it's a little bit louder. We got to turn everything up just a little bit. Uh, and on the surface, it may seem somewhat like a distraction, but uh, I was thinking about what Jesus said when there was a lot of people praising God and the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, basically, they're making too much noise. Why don't you make them be quiet? And Jesus said, if they stop praising me, the rocks will begin to praise me. Amen. The rocks will cry out. And honestly, I think about it. You hear that rain? That's literally nature praising God. Amen. The God that created it. It's a beautiful, beautiful sound. Although this is a perfect setting for a nap. So I'm going to encourage everybody to fight it, right? I know that uh, you get in there and that rain comes down, it's a good time to curl up with a, with a blanket. So try to stay awake and uh, we'll give you the word of God this morning and then you can go home, take, get, get you lunch and uh, take you a nap. It's probably going to be raining all day. So I trust you found it by now, Matthew chapter 7. Let me read verses 13 and 14 and then we'll pray today. This is Jesus speaking and he says, enter the, the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter in by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. King James, it's still stuck in my head. The King James says it like this. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. It says that wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And the part that always kind of disturbs us is the fact that the narrow gate that leads to everlasting life, he said, few there are that find it, but the wide gate that leads to destruction, many people find that. And when you really stop and think about that, can be, it's very disturbing. And I want to preach this morning about that narrow way. Okay, let's pray together. Father, as we turn our attention to your word, we recognize how powerful it is. It is your word, your engrafted word that is able to save our souls. I am nothing more today than just a vessel, an instrument, a mouthpiece that you can use today to speak your word into the hearts of every individual today. Let it have its perfect work. God, I pray that we would see today, Lord, what path we are standing on individually. That those of us on the right path, God might take heed, walk carefully, walk lightly, walk trustworthy, Lord God. Those this morning that are here that might find and discover that they're on the wrong path that leads to destruction. My prayer today is that you push back all the works of hell that would deceive them, that would keep them blind, and let them today come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Everybody give me a shout of amen. amen. All right, let's talk about that narrow way. Narrow is the gate. The gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter in are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now we think about the word hard, we might find it difficult as human beings, we might find it difficult at times to follow the, the teachings of Jesus Christ. Has anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, uh, has anybody in this room, even as Christians, ever found it hard to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ? Amen. I'll raise my hand. At times we find it hard. I mean, let's, focus, let's, let's, let's be honest, especially in this particular scripture, this comes from the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus teaches on a, a wide variety of topics, right? And, and they're not exactly the easiest thing for us as human beings to swallow. They seem hard. I mean, Jesus taught things in this one sermon. He taught things like, turn the other cheek. Somebody punches you. It's not necessarily just about punching, but if somebody smites you or does something to you, instead of retaliating in hatred and vengeance, 
turn the other cheek in mercy and forgiveness. That's hard for us as human beings sometimes to take. He taught things like, you're blessed when you're persecuted. That's hard for us to comprehend because we feel like we're blessed when everybody is hoisting us up on, our shoulder, on their shoulders and singing for he's a jolly good fellow. We would rather everybody give us that kind of praise, but Jesus said, you're actually blessed when people persecute you for my name's sake. That's, that's kind of hard for us as humans to grab a hold of. Jesus taught things like, you know, you know uh, poke your eyeballs out if you can't control them, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of hard to, to understand. And we realize that Jesus is just talking about things in our life that offend us and cause us to turn away from God. Those are the things in our life should be removed. So, so we as humans, we can find it hard and we can find it difficult um, to, to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. But really, what Jesus is saying here, I don't believe that Jesus is implying that it's hard to serve him. That hard way, the easy way is to just go the way of the world, but it leads to destruction. I don't think Jesus is implying that it's difficult to live the Christian life necessarily because Jesus himself taught this. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is not saying, you know, it's really hard to serve me. It's difficult at times, yes. But is it impossible? No. Can it be hard in our own flesh, in our own abilities? Yes. But Jesus said, I'm here through my spirit to make it easier for you to live for me. Amen? So most of the time, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, the plain truth is, at least I'm speaking for me, is that the times that I have found it hard to serve Jesus were the times that I kind of made it hard on myself, amen? But when, when we get more concerned about our own desires and our lusts and things, more concerned about that than the will of God, it becomes very hard. If our number one priority in living, our number one priority of life is to honor and please God in all that we do and all that we say, that's really our goal we really won't find it that hard to do. It's what, what's hard is fighting against our own flesh and our own will. Amen? Jesus didn't come to make it difficult. He just come to set a standard by which we should always follow. You know, Jesus, in the sixth chapter, you don't have to turn there, but in the sixth chapter of John, uh, Jesus is doing some more of that hard teaching. And he's describing himself as the bread of life. And he says something like this, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't follow me. That's a hard thing to understand. They couldn't grasp. And ultimately what he's saying is that unless we take him in, Jesus, his broken flesh was what was going to happen when he went to the cross. His blood was what was going to be shed for the sins of mankind when he went to the cross. So ultimately what Jesus is saying, in order to find that path to God, you have to come through the cross. Amen? Through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. And so he's basically saying, when you, when you eat bread, you're taking it in. You're not just nibbling, you're taking it in. And Jesus said, you have to take me in completely and forsake everything else. Jesus was very clear. You have to, if anybody's going to follow me, you first have to deny yourself Take up your cross and follow me. And in the sixth chapter of John, we find where there were some of, the, some of the disciples came to Jesus and they said, and I quote, this is a hard saying. This is this too hard. Jesus is a hard teaching. How can people follow that? Who could possibly hear it? And Jesus made no excuse for what he was teaching. He didn't lighten it. He didn't make it easier. Jesus didn't say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I, let me ease it up just a little bit for you. No, Jesus stood his ground and said, look, this is the way it is. You, you have to come through me. There is but one path, and that path to God is through Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said, is this too hard for you? Does this offend you? He made no apologies for his gospel. And the Bible says that many of his disciples turned and left and walked no more with him. Now, Jesus in in John chapter 14 declares this. I am the way or the path, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen? So, they were offended at Jesus being the only path, and they went off-road, okay? They went off-road. We as humans, there have been many religious paths that have been forged and beaten down and made throughout the human race, down through the generations. Buddhism, Muslim, all kinds of different religions, and, and people in our world today, in, in the name of acceptance, I'm all for love. How many of you know you don't have to accept wrong things in order to love wrong people? Amen? So in the name of acceptance, we've basically said in our human wisdom, all roads lead lead to God. Every religion in its own way leads to God. Many people become a religion of their own self. You say, what do you mean? Many people will say, well, I'm a good person. I don't have to worry about hell or anything like that because I'm a good person. Are you really? By whose standards? I mean, I can convince myself I'm a good person, but I've done some pretty nasty things in my life, right? So we make this own religion saying, well, I'll get to God through my own works. And so all of these paths, but I'm here to declare what Jesus Christ said. Jesus himself said, all paths do not lead to God. There is but one path that leads to God and ultimately to eternal life, and that path is Jesus Christ. So that's why when Jesus said the way or the path is straight and it's narrow and few there be that find it, not because he's saying, well, it's hard to serve me. He's saying few people will come through Jesus Christ. We want to get there our own way based on our own merit or through our own religious beliefs. And Jesus said it just doesn't work that way. The The way is narrow. Jesus described himself as the door. Okay, the reason why that's significant, if you can, if you can picture a vast kingdom, bigger than you can even see, vast kingdom, and it's surrounded by a wall. And there is but one entrance, no back door, no side door, no window. There is but one entrance into that kingdom, and it's a very narrow door. That door is Jesus Christ, amen? The kingdom of God can only be entered through Jesus Christ. You say, well, Dennis, we're we're all you know, church people here, we we know that, and we do know that. It's important that we're not deceived, amen? It's important that we as Christians understand that if Jesus Christ is not the only way to God, you know, someone might say this, well, I I, I follow Jesus, and I believe in Jesus, but, you know, I, I believe there's other ways to heaven. You can't follow Jesus and believe that at the same time. Jesus himself declared himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. The narrow path that leads to God, and we must follow it. Otherwise, we go the easy way. And it may seem, by the way, let me say this. Forsaking Christ and just going your own way, living, not having to worry about resisting temptation. I mean, let's be be honest. Sometimes it's hard to resist temptation. Is that true? I mean, if it's not hard for you to resist temptation, please come and see me after church. I need you to teach a class. I'm, I'm, I find it hard at times to resist temptation. All kinds, it's just we're human, and so we, we, we struggle with, with that. 
And so we think that to be hard, and we think, well, it'll be easier just to go do whatever I want. But folks, let me tell you something. The way of sin is hard. It's very hard. It may seem easy at first, but it leads us to a very hard way of life. And ultimately, even if we could live our entire life, and it'd be easy, and it'd be fun, and it'd be the end of that path, when you open that big white gate, leads to hell and destruction, according to Jesus. Amen? So Jesus is not saying that it's, we want to make, it's not saying that he's out, it's it's like a tightrope, and it's hard to stay saved. I kind of grew up with that mentality when I think about straight is the gate, narrow is the way, it's like a tightrope, and I really have to watch myself and and live perfect in order to stay saved, because if I make a mistake, I'm going to, that's not what he's saying at all. It's not that he's saying it's hard to serve me, he's just saying that the many, most of the world will not come by the way of the cross. But. We can make our broad path, but um, God made, here's the bottom line, we come God's way or we don't come at all. Amen, everybody say amen to that. We come God's way or we don't come at all. Turn into 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Second Chronicles chapter number 34. I'm not gonna read all of this, I kinda wanna go through and I guess tell the story more than anything, but let me read these first couple verses, this young man by the name of Josiah that just took over as king of his nation, king of Judah. Um, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father. And here's the key. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So let's build the background here so you can understand what's going on. You know, Josiah takes over as the king of his nation. He's eight years old, okay? And he decides, as he thinks about what kind of king he's gonna be, what kind of reign, what kind of legacy he's gonna leave behind, he decides, I'm gonna follow the ways of David. Now, it says David his father. David wasn't his father. It was, it, it's basically meaning, look at it like this, David his ancestor. There's actually... Uh, David lived about 380 years before Josiah did. So Josiah never met David. He didn't know David. David was his ancestor. So how, how did Josiah know that it would be a good idea to follow after David's ways? The same, how did he know about King David? The same way you and I know about King David. He read about him. In fact, in the book of Chronicles, that's literally what this is. A chronicle is a, it's a, a recording of a, of a historical event. And so they would always record the, the activities and the decisions of kings, and other kings would go back and read those things. They would read them to see, well, what did this king do in this situation? What did this king do in that situation? And you find, by the way, that's, as we read through First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, there are a lot of kings, and it says, he did that which is evil in the sight of God, and the nation always suffered under a king like that. But then there were a lot of kings that said, it said he did that which is right in the sight of the Lord, and the nation always prospered and did well whenever they were under a king like that. And so these kings would read that. There was one king in Esther, he read the Chronicles to go to sleep, right? He was like, he couldn't sleep one day. Bring the Chronicles, read those to me, I'll fall asleep. But, but Josiah had read the Chronicles, so he had read all about King David. And David was a man that for the most part served God, and stayed on the path 
We know there were times in David's life where he veered off the path, but God brought him back to the path, and God prospered. Uh, God would say things like this about David. He's a man after my own heart. And so Josiah decides for his life, starting at the beginning of life, I'm going to follow that path. I'm going to get on the path that David walked down, and I'm not going to turn to the right or to the left. I'm never getting off this path. And there is no doubt there were plenty of opportunities for Josiah to go right or left. Plenty of opportunities, plenty of temptations for Josiah to leave the path that God had laid for him and do his own thing. Think about the temptation as a king. That right to get great riches, to, to, to receive all of the praise of your people. But Josiah did not leave that path. Now look at this. This is, this is the, way I, the reason I bring this all up today. How do we do it? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's one path that leads to God. Get on it and don't look to the right or the left. Don't ever stop trusting me and pursuing me. And I believe that we can do it the same way Josiah did it. First of all, first and foremost, we find where it says, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was a boy, he began to seek God. Hallelujah. He just simply began to seek God. He began to pray and look for God's direction. Folks, there is, there, if there is one promise in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it's this. That if we will seek God with our whole heart, we will find him. People go through life wandering around trying to find some certainty, find some path, and they, they never seem to find any stability. It's because they're not seeking God. They're seeking what tickles the flesh and... Josiah said, I'm just going to first seek God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inquire of him. I'm going to find out what it is that God wants me to do with my life. I believe with all of my heart this morning that if every individual in this place sets their mind to seek God and say, God, what direction, what do you want to do with my life? He'll show it to us. Amen? Jesus is the way. If every decision we make is centered in Christ, you can never, ever go wrong. The person you marry, don't marry a person that's not a Christian. Amen? If you marry a person that's not a Christian, very good chance you'll get off the path. But I, I get it. There's exceptions to the rule, but don't hang around with, young people, don't hang around with the party crowd. Don't hang around with people who don't follow Jesus. They will lure you off the path. There's a right there's a left turn, and they, it looks so good. It looks so fun. But those paths all lead to destruction. There is but one path that will lead you eternal life, and that's Jesus. Every decision should be centered and fixed upon what would Jesus have me to do. Amen? Josiah said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to seek God and find out what he wants me to do. It's interesting that right after Josiah began seeking God, the Bible says he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from all of its idols. See, whenever, when you really seek God and you're on the path of Christ and you're following it faithfully, he begins to show you the idolatry in your life. It begins to show you the things in your life that have, have a tendency to take more priority in your life than he does. Amen? Don't fool yourself. We've all got idols. And you've heard it said many times, an idol is not just a little statue that you, you bow down to. An idol is something that we put before God, something that takes our attention away from God, and we've all got them. We've got idols of every kind. Somebody's, somebody's idol may be money. 
Maybe popularity, fame, you name it. There's all kinds of idols. And, and so, so basically Josiah says, the only way I'm gonna keep this country on the right path that leads to God is if I get rid of all of the idols. So he goes through all of the country and he takes all of these altars that have been built and, and, and reared up to offer sacrifices to false gods. He chops them all down. He finds every idol. He grinds them to powder. He goes so far as to dig up the bones of the priests who used to offer sacrifices. on he, he, he digs up the bones and burns them. He literally, his mindset, I am going, if I'm going to stay on the path that leads to God, I have got to eliminate idolatry and anything that would steal my heart away from God. I've got to eliminate it from our country. I believe that ought to be the same pursuit of every child of God. To go before God, honestly, as Josiah did, and seek God and say, God, please expose to me, show me the idols in my life, the things that are constantly tugging at my heart. Lord, I want nothing to lure me off of this path. After that, the Bible says that he decided to repair the house of God. See, here's the thing. It's kind of interesting. Josiah didn't really have much of an example. His dad and his grandpa, who were kings before him, they did that which is evil in the sight of God. All Josiah really had was what he read about David and the kings that did right. And, and so as, as, as Josiah watches his dad and his grandpa rule the nation, and he just sees how big of a mess they made. How many of you have ever just made a big mess of your life because you didn't seek God? I... If I could raise all appendages, I would, <laughs> amen? Oh, lots of times. I've made a huge mess of my life just because I, I didn't seek God and I had idols. And so he witnessed this. My dad my grandpa made a mess of this country because they failed to seek God. And I just, I don't want to go down that path. I want to do what's right in God's sight. And so he gets rid of the idols. He repairs the house of God. The house of God had just been devastated. People had come in, taken all the stuff out of it and knocked. It was just in ruins, and so Josiah thinks to himself, he says, now the only way I'm going to be able to keep this country on the path that leads to God after I've gotten rid of the idols is to restore worship. Amen. To repair the house of God, restore worship, and get people once again focusing their attention to God. Isn't that what worship is? Folks, you and I, as we go through life and we think about worship as being the worship service like we just had, and that is a moment. That's a, that's a time where we, we stop our week, and everybody proved it today. Worship was, was wonderful in here today. We, we stop, we look towards God, we forget about everything around us, and, it, and worship forces us to focus on God, and that's how we stay on the right path, is by focusing on God and praising him for all that he's done. Folks, God has done so much for us, but if he hadn't done a thing for us as far as the world is concerned, he bled and died on the cross of Calvary so that we could have eternal life. Hallelujah. And that alone is worth praising him for. The fact that he didn't want any of us to go to hell. He wanted all of us to spend eternity with him. He made himself the path. You know, a path is something that you walk on. Amen. Jesus, the Lord of all glory, willingly laid himself down that men might just walk all over him, crucify him and whip him, that he might make a path for us to find God. Hallelujah. That's worth worshiping him for. 
He got rid of the idols. He restored worship, rebuilding the house of God. And the Bible says that as they were rebuilding the house, they were pulling the stones and organizing that had been just tore down, they find a book. They find a book of the law. It was ultimately, they found God's word. And as they begin to open it, they begin to read the law. They begin to read the word of God. They bring it to, to, to Josiah and they say, man, we found a book of the law. You, you gotta read this. And so they're reading it. Now get this. As Josiah hears the word of God being read, his heart is convicted. He realizes in that moment that his nation had completely gotten off the path. Dad and Grandpa did worse than I, I mean, he just didn't realize how far off the path they were until they got into the Word. And when you and I as Christians in 2019, when we brush the Word of God aside and we don't put it in the forefront of our life, we too can drift off the path and not realize how far off the path we've really gotten. Amen? He, he hears the word and he's convicted. He's like, oh man, we are so far off the path. And he tears his clothes, which in that day was, a, it was just a sign of repentance and remorse. And he said, we've got to get a hold of God. He tells his, his guys, go inquire of the Lord. Find out from God what we need to do. And you know, ultimately, the answer was not all that difficult. Just repent, right? He may get rid of the idols, worship me, Follow my word, listen to what I'm telling you. I mean, God didn't, God didn't lay out a plan before them that was gonna be so hard for them to get it back on track. God didn't say, well, go out and kill a thousand Philistines or go out and do a bunch of good works and do and do and do and do. It's not that hard to, to follow God. He, through his spirit, makes it possible. God's not required. You may be off the path a little today. And you say, well, I'm not really off the path. I've kind of got one foot on the path and one foot off the path. If that's the case, you're off the path. Amen? The only way to be on the path is to be completely on the path. The gospel makes absolutely no room for fence riders. And I'm not, I'm not throwing stones. I've been a fence rider plenty of times in my life. And it never worked out good. It always led to destruction. Amen? I don't want to halfway go into heaven. I want to all be going to heaven. We stay on, on the path. It's not that hard. And Jesus, or, or Josiah, as they inquire of God through a, a prophetess, her name was Huldah. If you look into verse 24, it says this. This is, this is basically Huldah. This is what God is saying to the nation who had gotten off the path. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring disaster upon this place. What, what did Jesus say happens to those who go in at the broad gate, the wide gate leads to Destruction. So thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring destruction, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, just simply because they rejected God, they got off the path. All the curses that are written in the book that was read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. God does not like to pour out his wrath. God would way rather give mercy, forgiveness. Every time, God would rather give mercy. But his wrath is pent up. His judgment is pent up for the day of wrath. Now you and I who are in Christ, that are on the path, our sin's already been punished, amen? 
God poured his wrath out on Christ when he was on that cross as punishment for sin for anybody who would accept Christ as Savior. We don't, as Christians, we don't have the wrath of God to look forward to. But all who reject Christ still abide under the wrath of their sins. That one day, at judgment, when they stand before God, that wrath will be poured out. God says they've gotten off the path that's leading to destruction. I'm going to destroy the country. But, look here, everybody say but. But to the king of Judah, who was on the right path, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what you shall say to him. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was tender, get this, let this dribble into your spirit, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and its inhabitants, and you've humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me or you have repented before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Looky here. Your eyes shall not see all the disaster, the destruction that I will bring upon this place and its inhabitants. Josiah was on the path, and God, even in all of those years prior, said, I promise you, I'm bringing you to eternal peace, eternal life. The rest of the world will face destruction, but not you, Josiah, because you're on the right path. Christian, don't, don't take for granted the blood of Jesus Christ that is applied to your life. Don't serve Jesus lightly and loosely. Don't let it just become a, a common story that's faded somewhere in the background of your mind. Let it become literally woven into every fabric of your being. Let every thought, let every decision, every word be tainted and be guided and directed by the gospel and by the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? You're on the right path. You're, you're heading towards God. Hallelujah, be excited about that. And do what you can. Do what you can in your life and the world around to bring other people and get them on the path that leads to everlasting life. Everybody in this room, me included, I've got loved ones that are on the wrong path. They're literally on a fast track train to destruction. That should do something in me. That, that, should, that should stir me a little bit and want me, A, it should do two things. It should, it should challenge me to stay on the right path myself, but it should challenge me to try to get my family and my friends and my loved ones to Christ, amen? I don't want to see anybody face destruction. I don't, I've had people, I don't want to see my enemies face destruction, amen? People do things, come against us, and we can get so bitter but we should never want to see him face destruction. I mean, we might want to see him get, you know, like boils or something like that temporarily, but not face eternal destruction. There should be something in us that wants people to, to find eternal life, amen? I can't stand the thought of people going to hell. That's why I'm a pastor. That's why I, that's why I preach the way I do. I cannot stand the thought of somebody ending up in destruction when there's a road they can travel that will end in peace and joy and life everlasting, amen? Let, let, me, let me apologize on behalf of all Christians everywhere that sometimes we don't exactly make the Christian life appealing. We as Christians, many times, we gripe and complain like all the rest of the world does. We can talk about how hard it is to serve God you ever been in an argument with somebody and say something like, if I weren't a Christian, I'd tell you just what I think, right? We're basically saying, you know, 
I wish for a second I could lay it down and really lay into you. And we just, we don't make it very appealing sometimes. Shame on us. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you hear the negativity about Christians, first of all, give us grace. Bear with us. We're human too. We're going to fail and we're going to fall short. But just know that despite our words and many times our complainings, there is a peace of God that passes all understanding that abides way down deep within us. To know that we're on a path that leads towards heaven and we're just trying our very best not to turn to the right or to the left, amen? Though the devil beckons, though he tries to get us to go off-road, we weren't built to go off-road, amen? There are some vehicles that were built to go off-road, most aren't. We, as human beings, were built to follow God's path, amen? We weren't, we weren't equipped to deal with what sin does to us. Our bodies weren't equipped to deal with sin. Our bodies weren't equipped to deal with rebellion and all of the consequences that sin brings. There's always forgiveness for sin, but how many of you know there are many consequences for our sins, and we just weren't equipped to go off-road. Stay on the path. Young people, I beg you with all that's within me, don't get off the path. If you're a young person here this morning that's saved, you've been saved and you've been baptized, and you, you know Christ, you know this gospel, and I get it. There are so many pulls and tugs, and you see, you see roads shooting off the path every day, and it's so tempting to go that way, and you even, you see friends friends that go down those paths, maybe even Christian friends that veer down these wrong paths, and it's so tempting to follow. Let me tell you something. If, if the blind lead the blind, everybody falls in the ditch. If you follow the wrong person, if you follow the wrong voice, it will lead to destruction. I promise you that. You'll never be glad you left the path. I have never, in 43 years, 22 years of ministry, I have never, ever heard somebody say, I'm glad I went out into sin. I've seen many people that have gotten off the path and have come back to Christ and, and, and to experience the grace of God that just cleanses them of all sin. And I've, I've witnessed the face of people as that burden of rebellion lifts and the joy of the Lord comes flooding back in because God's grace is always sufficient to forgive us and to bring us back in. And the, the response is always the same. I wish I had never gone down that road. Please hear me. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. We stumble on the path at times. Amen? We fall short as Christians at times, but we're still on the path. We're still in Christ. His blood is still making atonement for our sins. And everybody that's glad about that said amen. Josiah hears this and he gathers all of the country together, great and small, everybody. And he reads the word of God to the entire nation and basically says this, this is the path this nation is gonna take. He reads it in front of all of them and says, we from now on are gonna walk after the Lord. You know what that meant? It meant there was gonna be changes in the country. Amen? There were gonna be changes in the country. And David or Josiah says, Bottom line, like it or lump it, it's my responsibility to, take, to lead this country. I am determined in my own life not to go right or left because if I go right or left, the country will go right or left. What a call to us as parents. 
and his grandparents to make the bold declaration in our home, in this home, we will stay on the path. In this home, we will honor God with what we do, with what we say, with what we watch, with what we listen to. We will honor God in this home. And if we as parents get off the path, our kids and our grandkids will get off the path. Do you know that according to the law, it was supposed to be read to the entire nation every seven years? They didn't have internet back then. They couldn't download the law app, you know, so that everybody could read it on their own. Every seven years, they gather the whole country together and read the words of the law to keep it fresh. Every seven years. Do you know how old Josiah was when they found this law and read it and he couldn't believe how far? He was 26 years old. 26 years old. Hearing it for the first time. He should have already heard it three times. Take 26 divided by seven. That's where I get my math, right? He should have, in his lifetime, should have already heard the word of God at least three times, but he's hearing it for the first time. You know why? Somebody got off the path. Somebody at some point decided that the word of God just wasn't that important. And so they brushed it aside, did their own thing, went their own way, and them, their families, and their entire country paid the price for it. The same thing will happen to us if we brush God's word aside. Amen? We got to have the word of God constantly before our eyes, constantly in our ears. You come to the house of God and God bless you. That's why you're here. You're here today not only to worship and to pray for one another, but you're here to hear the word of God. You recognize how important it is. Keep it before your ears. Keep it before your children at all times. We're living in a day our society is saturated with the word of God. Man, 2,000 years ago, people, Christians, would have given anything to be able to go down to Lifeway or to to CPO and, and buy a Bible. I've got a dozen Bibles. You get it on your phone, it's on there. You get on a Christian radio and you can hear preaching and singing. Man, it's the gospel is everywhere. There's no reason. In our day and age, for, God, for Christians not to just be dripping the gospel. We ought to just be soaked, so filled with the gospel and dripping with it because it's so available. It's not just about read your Bible, pray, do this. It's about staying on the path, amen? Because this path, we're heading somewhere. Anybody in here planning on living forever? I've never met anybody that got it done. There was some, who was at Ponce de Leon, looked for the fountain of youth, but he apparently didn't find it, right? Nobody's, nobody's gonna live forever. We are going to enter eternity through one gate or the other, amen? Two options. We enter into hell through the wide gate. Satan makes it easy on us. Satan makes it easy, and there's plenty of people going that direction. But there's that other gate. Yes, it's narrow. Yes, at times it requires something of us. Yes, it's difficult at times but it's a way that leads to eternal life and it's worth it, amen? Josiah didn't regret going down the right path. Hallelujah. Jennifer, put that first picture up there, would you? A few weeks ago, uh, my family and I went to the Grand Canyon for our vacation. I had a blast, a lot of fun. We'd never been there before. I was just amazed at the beauty you know, how massive this thing is. But this is a picture of a trail that we saw 
it's called the Bright Angel Trail, and it goes down, I mean, it's like eight miles or something. It winds down the whole side of the Grand Canyon down to the bottom, and you can, you can take a mule down it, which was an absolute out of the question for us. Um, I didn't trust my own feet, let alone the, the, the feet of a, of a mule. But we walked down this trail for just a little ways, uh, just to kind of see what it was all about. And, it, you, and you can see how narrow this path is. And I mean, there's no, like right up here, there's no guardrails. There's, you know, it's just one step off and you can't, you can't see it. But I mean, we're talking, well, well the Grand Canyon is, is 6,000 feet deep, okay? 7,000 feet deep. Four Empire State Buildings stacked on top of one another, a mile straight down. And so you step off, you're a goner, okay? And so we're walking down through there, and it, we just wanted to see what the, the trail was like, and it just made us so nervous. In fact, go to the next one. We almost lost Brady once. Go to the next picture. But, but fortunately, he caught himself right before he went off the edge. That, the, the, na- the trail was so narrow. We, we, uh, we doctored that picture up. He really didn't almost fall. His grandmas, were, his grandmas, before we left, were all saying, whatever you do, don't fall off, don't fall off. So we looked the entire Grand Canyon over trying to find a good find this spot to take a picture, make it look like he was about to fall off. Um, but anyway, go back, go on to the last picture. So here's basically while we're on this path, and don't let this deceive, fool you, it looks like it's a wide path through the picture, but it's really not. This, this is the side right here, and one more step that way, and it's Wiley Coyote. <whistles> right? Straight down. And so what we, we did is we walked down this and it just made you uneasy and nervous, thinking that I could, I could fall at any time. So what we did is we stayed over here close to the rock. Amen? In this particular part of the, pla- of the path, the, the, there was a cave, there was a rock, you get in it, and as long as you're in that rock, there's really not any way you can fall off the path. We stayed close to the rock, close to the cliff, so that we knew there was no fear of getting off the path that led to destruction. Amen? Jesus Christ, the scripture says, is the rock of our salvation. We're on this path. We don't have to live in fear all all the time of losing our salvation or falling off. All we gotta do, folks, is live every day and just live, walk close to the rock. Amen? Seek Jesus, live close to Jesus. Jesus said, if you'll draw close to me, I will draw close to you. Hide yourself in the rock. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yet a lot of destruction, but Jesus promises to protect us from it all. Amen? Stay close to the rock. Stay on the path. I got some more, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna close there. Bow with me. Father, we just... We turn to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We understand here today, God, that we don't have in and of ourselves the ability to do the right thing. God, we are born in iniquity and sin from our mother's womb. We recognize today the natural tendency we have to go off-road and to be rebellious And we repent of that here today, God. Lord, as you search every heart this morning, 
I just pray that your spirit, Lord, would do a work. So we come to this point of the service where we've heard the word and now we got to do something with it. I step aside, God, that your spirit might work. To touch that one, Lord, or that two, or however many might be in this place this morning that are not saved. Maybe today for the first time, they're recognizing that they're on the wrong path. I pray, God, that you would just save them. Close their ears to every lie of the devil. Help them to see, Lord, that it's not hard. Salvation is so easy that you did all the work. You went to the cross. You paid the debt. You took the pain of the cross, the whipping post, the the crown of thorns. You took the pain so that it might be easy to find God. I pray for those, God, that might have one foot on the path and one off. I pray that you convict them today. Help them, God, that they don't take on a a seared conscience that can't hear your voice, that can't feel conviction anymore. I pray, God, that they would pull that foot off, put both feet planted back on the path again. To those this morning that are on the path, your people who worship you and serve you and work for you in your kingdom. God, I pray that there would be a, a greater awareness of your presence, a greater appreciation for where our feet are planted and what we have to look forward to, where we're heading. Just do your work here this morning in Jesus' name. Would everybody just keep your heads bowed if you don't mind and your eyes closed. Just be...